What I love most about Mi Gente is our community and how important it is to take care of our own. Hey, it's Honey and Carolina. On our podcast, Life in Spanglish, we talk about how important being there for your loved ones is. Pero también sobre lo importante que es tener a alguien dispuesto a apoyarte cuando lo necesites, como lo hace State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com my favourite podcast of the year, it is our look back at 2021. This is Luke from TheCustardTV.com. Matt's here from TheCustardTV.com as well. Hello. Merry Hello. Christmas, Happy New Year. Did you watch anything over Christmas you hadn't planned to watch that you actually enjoyed? We just had a lot of stuff on in the background, really. And, and I think that's why looking at the ratings, what sort of came up on top was Strictly Come Dancing, mm. which was on it about... Quarter past five on Christmas Day, and I think that's possibly because that's when most people do the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> Can we on. just agree, though, that the Mortimer and Whitehouse Gone Fishing was just a lovely hour of television that mm, I need We to watched watch. that yesterday. Mm. That's, uh, that was just such a lovely hour of television, and mm. I hope that show never ends. It was gorgeous. Mum, mum cried, I think, at some... I can't remember which point well, she cried. Well, it was because Paul Whitehouse... Oh, the, the record. with the record yeah, 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 yeah. of his mum and said she wouldn't recognise their voice now. Deeply moving, but also. I mean, it could have been funny. when Paul Heaton and Jackie Abbott came on and did Caravan of Love. You, d- you don't know. Yeah, it could have been <laughs> when Bob Mortimer stuck uh, pickled onions in his eyes. I don't know. But, uh... Or when Gaza turned up. Yeah. What a lovely hour of television. <laughs> that was one of my highlights. As I say, apart from that, just watched a lot of game shows, some films. Never seen Mary Poppins Returns before, and I quite enjoyed that. Oh, uh, that, okay. Yeah, that Who was... is the Dick Van Dyke character in that? Lynn Manuel Miranda. Of course. Um, Dick Van Dyke is in it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gar- Gary wouldn't watch it if Miranda's in it, but you know. <laughs> I'll yeah. tell you what else was really good, actually, was the Bake Off with the It's a Sin cast. I, I watched thought... that. I'm going to seek that out as well. I thought that mm. would be fun. It's nice because they're all like really close and mm. they're all quite supportive of each other. It'd just be nice to watch something with Sean Dooley in it where he's not narrating it because I watch a lot of documentaries <laughs> and he seems to be narrating them all. Well, so. it's go- good to see he's, he's getting some work, really. Cause, yeah, you, you know, just, just never st- see him. <laughs> Can you remember what else he was in this year apart from It's a Sin? Did we review it? Yes. If it helps to narrow it down, it was an ITV drama where he played a cop. <laughs> Somehow that makes it harder. I don't got to know why. Oh, that's going to bug me. Tell me. That's going to bug me. Good thing it's not a boxmaster question. Yeah, um, it's uh, innocent. Of course. Yeah, I didn't get past up with Catherine Kelly. I always like to ask you what meat you had because one year you had a bit of everything, didn't you? So on Christmas Day we had yeah. salmon on croute. 
Okay. No, no. Because on Boxing Day we had the turkey uh, dinner. That's because uh, your brother and sister-in-law went. Yeah, there. you see. Okay, I see what you did. I see what you did. <laughs> so so yeah, I we can... had quite quite a quiet Christmas, really. Christmas Day and then Boxing Day was the sort of hectic day where my niece was round and things like that. So we had the big meal where there was more people there because you know we do. But yeah, we had on Christmas Day salmon on croute. That was like a world productions drama. I thought I knew where it was going and then there was a twist at the end I wasn't expecting. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. I just want to touch briefly, and we, we seem to do this every year, but we will get to our list, and we will get to your list and the contributors' list and everything. What do you think about the regular output on the BBC, ITV, and Channel 4 this year? Could, you know, if you had to grade them, and you had to talk about their sort of output, specifically well, drama-wise... they appealed to their audience, didn't they? BBC One had the very traditional... Strictly... No, no, I mean uh, across the year. Because like last year... Oh, right, okay, we had, sorry. We had, normal, we had normal people, top mm. of our list. It was a talked-about drama. We didn't have it on our list because we're evil. We didn't put I May Destroy You on there, but that was a big talking point. I don't feel like BBC drama has really had much of an impact on me this year. Those two shows you mentioned were BBC Three dramas mm, that were promoted to BBC One. Yeah, the, the we've BBC got one, one of them coming up, haven't we? Yeah, the BBC One dramas were more uh, the Salisbury Poisonings, which I know we enjoyed. There wasn't many of them because of the pandemic, was there? <laughs> no, no. Um, there's not. What I, I would stick by my original statement, really, that they appeal to their audiences. Oh, that took no work at all. That was um, really annoying. But, like, you know, we were just saying, with the Sean Dooley thing, it's tortured cops all over the place mm. with ITV, really, with the exception of something like Finding Alice. And, and that's how they promote themselves, really, isn't it? We're the channel that has either got the crime dramas or the reality shows. In terms of BBC, again, I mean, they have tried some sort of diverse stuff like The Outlaws, for example, something like Show Trial, for example. I know some people liked Time. We were both quite high on. And then the big sort of blockbuster stuff that you bemoan, like Visual and Line of Duty and things like that. But it's what people like. And, and, you know, we see, for example, on like Gogglebox, people were talking about it and people were talking about it at work. Obviously, Channel 4's branding is their um, different... Altogether different. Altogether different. If you take It's a Sin aside, we had Before We Die, Close Mm -hmm. to Me, Deceit. They've done pulpy stuff this year, haven't they? Mm. I've liked, you know, their fact-end stuff. You know, like, for example, like The Last Leg is still great. Gogglebox is still great. You know, they they do brave things like letting Rosie Jones have her own series, for example. So, you know, they, they are sort of braver and bolder. They try and attract an audience, perhaps, rather than know what their audience is. And BBC Two, actually, are similar to Channel 4, that they do try and do different things. Like, for example, we talked about 
Mortimer and Whitehouse and um, other things that might come up on on some of the lists. You know, it's it's an interesting balance. And a lot of it is about the co-productions with like the HBOs and the Netflixes and things and selling their shows onto other channels. And that's what it's all about, like the industry which sometimes you struggle to get your head around a little bit, don't you? Like, yeah. yeah. Because they should be making shows just for Luke. They should, really. And they did make one this year, which was Time, which I then didn't put on my list because this year's been so strong. Let's get into the list. Matt and I have done a top ten as we do every year. We've done an individual top ten. Some shows we share, some shows we don't. We are going to go... Like, number 10 on, on my list, number 10 on Luke's list. If we share one, which we do have quite a lot of crossover. And actually, there's two things which we've put in the same position on both mm-hmm. of our lists as mm-hmm. well. Um, if it's in a different position, the, the first time it crops up, we'll talk about it. So, for example, if something is lower down in Luke's list than it is in mine, we will talk about it there rather than talking about it twice. After every number of both of our lists, we'll go to... Um, so we had 12 uh, contributors to the website and the podcast give us their top 10 lists. 140 picks, basically, with me and you. And yeah. over that, there were 70 shows that were selected. The most that was picked with our lists, two shows got nine on nine lists. Okay. But it's just interesting to see what some people picked. So... Um, there was a vote for Ambulance, the BBC documentary series. Okay. Uh, there was votes for The Goes Wrong Show, which is quite interesting. Mm. Someone voted for Frank of Ireland. Yeah, that person's not working for me anymore. <laughs> Someone voted for uh, Vigil. Yeah, they might be having a stern word as well. And someone voted for, which I did consider putting on my list at one point, Strictly Come Dancing at number 10, but I Ooh. didn't... <laughs> As somebody who doesn't watch it, this year has been the most talked about because it really seemed to resonate with a lot of people this year more than perhaps in previous years that I can remember. I think this year as well, basically everyone who was on the show tried. There was no sort of token comedy contestants. I think everyone on the show didn't have any dance experience, whereas normally you will get like a singer... They often have people who people bemoan, call them ringers, uh, because they've got that that dance experience. I mean, they had Faye from Steps a couple of years ago and Ashley Roberts from the Pussycat Dolls. But this year, it was people with very minimal dance experience getting through to the final. Both Rose, who won the first F contestant, and John Waite and Johannes, who were the first male or male couple, and even AJ, who sadly didn't make it to the final because she uh, hurt her foot tore some ligaments. I mean, I've never been a massive fan of AJ Adudu when I've seen her on things, but actually I really warmed to her throughout the series. And I think that's one of the things I know I write the whole article about Strictly, but I think it lets you see behind these personalities that you see on TV, maybe not their most authentic because they're presenting, they're reading off an autocue and actually you do get to see them, their backgrounds, their families you know, some of their insecurities and things like that. And that's how you sort of warm to them. And, and all three this year would have made worthy winners. So, yeah, I think it was a good series, this series. I'll go to my number 10 first then. My list, I, I knew what the top three would be. Four to eight could have really been in any yes. order. <laughs> yes. 
I had nine shows and I knew what was number nine. Number ten, I was like, should it be this? Should it be this? Should it be this? Do it. Um, I ended up with uh, number ten being Starstruck, which I know is a show we both enjoyed. I went back to just sort of skim watch it i do remember certain scenes from it like you know we talked about on a christmas special the return of the mac scene where she's walking down the canal path the scene where she gets mistaken for the cleaner so this if you don't know is uh written by rose matafeo she starred as as jesse new zealander living in london working jobs as a nanny and in and in a cinema on new year's eve uh, meets this guy when she's using the men's toilets called Tom. She ends up at his flat and then realises he's this massive uh, movie star, this action star. It follows their relationship over the course of the year, their sort of separations and then seeing each other again and her sort of wondering, should I be staying in London? She came there for a relationship that didn't pan out. She's living in this flat with this, um, I think Jane is the flatmate. Their relationship is, is very interesting well, as well. Well, that's her real-life flatmate as well, isn't it? Which oh, I didn't know t- that. That was a touch I really liked. And and there was just nice little bits in this, and, and in the interactions between them felt authentic. I know we praised Rose Matafei a lot at the time, but I thought Nikish Patel as well as Tom. Mm was very strong. But I think they shone together. Their chemistry was very strong. Even though the central premise may not have been believable, they made it believable. And it was just really charming. It was old-fashioned in a lot of ways. There was a recurring thing that every time Tom went to the toilet, something bad happened. And it was almost something that affected the relationship each time. The ending where they're on the bus and not saying anything to each other and she's going to get on a train to go to the airport to go back to New Zealand and then, you know, they go past her stop and then they kiss and it was just a lovely ending. Really charming series. I know you enjoyed it too. You basically said everything I would say. It was incredibly charming. It was auth- It felt really authentic. You know, these romantic comedies have certain beats they need to hit but it always felt like it was going for something different and it was just a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed just spending time with the characters. So, you know, Rose Matafeo, I believe, has never acted before. And and I think that's what made the performance shine for me, was that sort of newness to her. It didn't feel like she was doing any sort of amateur dramatics. It didn't feel like she was just playing herself either. It felt like no. she was playing this character. There was elements of her experiences, I'm sure, as a New Zealander in London, but... The central premise is something that she had to act, and I felt felt she did a really good job. In an age where female-led comedy has a dark tinge to it, feel good and flea bag and this way up. Starstruck was just fun. It mm. didn't take itself too seriously. It did have emotion at the heart, but it was also just an easy breezy fun watch that you could mm. switch on for anyone and go, "You'll enjoy this." Mm. It was harmless fun. Really enjoyed it. My number ten. <laughs> Is a show that is now available to watch in the yeah. UK that, that nobody <laughs> knows is available to watch in the UK, but they will soon when I start banging on about it a lot on Twitter. This is a Peacock original from the US, exec produced by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. It's Girls 5 Ever, because Forever is too short. And I could have put it anywhere on the list, but I thought as it was brand new, nobody had seen it, I just wanted to include it. It's brilliant. I loved it. It does everything so brilliantly and effortlessly. It's about a girl group who 
had minor success were a one-hit wonder in the in nineteen. Well, I don't think a one-hit wonder. They they were everywhere for like a, a year or so. Yeah. And then obviously, as we know, their their second album they they released on the tenth of September. And I love this because again, as Matt said about Starstruck, it was charming. It was gag heavy. I mean, if you're a fan of Thirty Rock or Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That gag rate you expect from there, but also a lot of heart because it's about these four women now in middle age who have long left the spotlight, who are unhappy with their lives, and when their song is sampled. Well, I don't rapper, think unhappy with some maybe well, unf- more than others. Unfulfilled. Yeah. Like you, you've got Sarah Bareilles' character who has a happy home life with her son and husband, but is working sort of dead end job, and then you've got Busy Phillips of Summer who is. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can work less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals. Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie. With me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Is sort of happy but hanging on to relationship. When we reviewed it with Mo, we watched about half the series. Yeah. I love the episode where she could make a salad. <laughs> Obviously, one of the big things is you know, sort of her husband, it's almost like a sham relationship, and mm. you've got the feeling that he's gay, but actually, the yeah. reveal of what? The reveal is one of my favourite bits of TV in the year, I think you'll find. <laughs> and then you've got Paula Powell's Gloria, who was the first lesbian in New York to get divorced, and she's desperate to rekindle her relationship with her wife. Rekindling. It's all about finding your place. And then you've got um, Renee, what's the actress's name? Renee Ellis Bradbury. Yeah, as Wiki, this sort of larger-than-life character who who has not forgotten how to shine in the spotlight despite working at an airport shooing away geese it's just incredibly <laughs> funny the songs are fantastic and it as someone who was very much aware of that era of pop music it just felt so true you could just believe mm. every element to it and it never feels clunky it always feels like it's got a real heart to it and they they don't treat the characters like fools no. Even Busy Phillips, what? who's the ditzy one, gets the redemption and time to shine. What did because just because we haven't talked about the second half of the series, oh, what no. did you make to the song that Sarah Bareilles wrote, the the Four Stars song, which they perform in full at the end? 
I love the the last performance. I thought it was the sort of it was almost like a song from a musical, so it didn't mm. feel very well because she she's written a musical. Yeah, so it didn't feel as poppy as. I mean, I've still got. I still, on a regular basis, will sing the theme tune without even thinking about the show because it is just perfect. It could have been a hit so easily in the area of in the era of Steps in S Club, but it is also perfectly ridiculous as well. Are gonna be famous five ever because four ever is too short. And what are you waiting five? No, gonna be famous three together because it's one more yeah. than together. Gonna be famous five ever because four ever's too short. So what are you waiting five? Girls five ever. I said about Starstruck that you could put that on and everyone would enjoy it. I think you do need to be of the right age group to appreciate. The, some some of the flashbacks, some of the things that they are alluding to, mm. the pop scene in '99. I think, it's as we said more, more recently, like, it's odd that Peacock have got this and Saved by the Bell, which a lot mm. of the Saved by the Bell stuff is very similar. That if you know the original series from the '90s, then again you've got a lot more out of it. Although, as we saw with Sarah, who yeah. never seen Saved by the Bell, she seemed yeah. to enjoy it more than that me. That woman and you is did. an enigma. <laughs> Uh, but that's my number 10, Girls 5 Ever. If if you're hearing about it for the first time, firstly, why didn't you listen to the podcast we talked about it with Mo on? But secondly, if you've got Sky or Now TV, uh, it's all there <laughs> as a box set under the peacock umbrella. I don't know why that made me laugh as much as it did. <laughs> what okay. made you your number 9? No. Oh. What's next? What is number 10 on the contributors list, Luke? Oh, Matt, what is number 10 on the contributors list? <laughs> yeah, so we're going straight to ITV for number 10, and we're going Might for Unforgotten. The penultimate episode and the final episode, which was basically a heartfelt goodbye to Nicola Walker's character. Spoiler. Mm. So you didn't say what happened to her. She died. Oh. But um <laughs> <laughs> was so well done and so... Everything about Unforgotten, as we've said over the years, feel like we're repeating ourselves every time we talk about the show. But it does everything with such a delicate human hand that it just hits home, at least for me, a lot stronger than a lot of other crime dramas who have killed people off in the past. I thought it was beautifully handled. I found the central crime the most interesting since Series 2. But yeah, I'm I'm slightly worried, to be honest. If that had been the end of Unforgotten... It may well have been on my list, but I'm slightly concerned. I've got faith in Chris Lang, just slightly concerned where the show can go. It's all going to hinge on the relationship between Sanjeev Bhaskar's character Sonny and whoever they the get to fill Nicola Walker's shoes, because that is one hell of a role for somebody to come but, in. Do you think it needs to be a, another woman, or could it be a man? Or I don't know. I don't I think it needs to be. I think they need, you know, a, a male-female dynamic. Mira Sial, put him with his, put him with his wife. Yeah. Goodness gracious me, that would be good. <laughs> if Chris is struggling for ideas for, uh, like, the connection between the sort of the potential suspects, he could look to Girls 5 ever, really, and have, like, a, a 90s pop group all sort of be... I would love that. <laughs> they didn't live 5 ever. They sort they of lived... like a... I think it's because we talked about the the '96 Top of the Pops as well, yeah. and thinking yeah. about all these groups who sort of fade into obscurity, that yeah. they're sort of like a big reunion type thing, 
and they're like that's the first time that they see each other um, at the same time. So, yeah. Something like that. Chris, you're the writer. One, writer. one of them falls <laughs> off an infinity pool, and it's like, who did it? That um, when I was doing the maths, it got 18 points, and it was on three lists. So there you go. Okay. My number nine, uh, we head over to Netflix. I think the only Netflix appearance on either of our lists, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Um, and again, it's something that was a, a, like Starstruck, a bit of escapism, like ludicrous in places, but it, it was grounded in reality to an extent. Um, and it's Lupin, Lupin, Lupin. At the time, it was the most watched foreign language drama on Netflix, but it was uh, quickly usurped by Squid Game later in the year. The sort of the key of it was the way that it... Um, strung in the the stories of Arsene Lupin, who was this gentleman thief in these stories from the early early 20th century, late 19th yeah. century, and how uh, the, the character played by Omar Sy, um, he used these stories to evade the authorities, to, to commit various crimes. We had that really elaborate jewel heist in the first episode, that's possibly the, the sort of the biggest set piece, apart from possibly the, the end sequence. And it is all about him getting revenge for his father, who was wrongfully imprisoned and, and then died in prison. At the same time, trying to sort of keep his relationship with his son and his estranged ex-partner. So there's the humanity there with the more heightened elements um you also see a lot of flashbacks to when he was younger and the um adversity he went through then as as this immigrant uh whose dad was in prison so there was a lot there to like not just these more heightened elements uh but i i did enjoy them as well and i find it a really easy watch as i say light starstruck it had like a playfulness about it there were moments where it got quite dark but the tone of it because of Omar Sy's performance which I think for me was one of the best performances of the year he sold it all like it you know like it was realistic like it could happen Mm. I never felt it was that ridiculous and the tone of it was never dour and was never dark there as I say some darker moments but there was a lightness to him a lightness to his performance the production design was was fabulous the amount of different costumes that Lupin wore and uh, it was just it was just a really easy watch really rewarding I think I think they would be silly to bring it back there, there were a couple of loose ends that I don't think they explained but I don't know how he would then he would be able to sort of get away with anything more. I think it was a perfect 10 episodes that they shouldn't try and recreate, but it being Netflix and it being popular, it probably will come back. I was going to say that my list this year is all uplifting and shows that made me feel (laughs) good. And from this point onwards, once we talk about this one, that will be the case. But... I had to put The Handmaid's Tale on the list this year. And you're probably thinking, what, A, is that still on? And B, nobody's talking about it. And yes, that is the case. But as someone who's stuck with it throughout the run and always been a fan of what it does and Elizabeth Elizabeth Moss's central performance, this was the series of The Handmaid's Tale I wanted. 
it delivered on everything because what happened this series is that uh, uh, Elizabeth Moss is off red or off glan or whatever she's called now she's called June now because she escaped off from, she's off grid she uh, escaped from Gilead uh, leaving her young daughter there but then it the series became about something else it came about came about what do you do when you're back in life and you don't really fit because you've been gone so long you've been through the most horrific trauma the most horrific abuse both psychologically and physically and how do you then as much as you want to fit back into the society and back with your friends and family who you've been dreaming of being back with all the time that's what's kept you going how do you then fit back in and how do you make those who've done you so horrifically wrong pay for their crimes against you and it was i didn't expect them to get to this point it's the point i wanted them to get to for at least the last two series um because that Maze tale has been i think wrongly accused of being just misery porn and going around in circles but for me it always found an interesting angle to tell the story but i think seeing the main characters that we've grown to like over the last four years back in society and still not feeling that they belong. My name is June Osborne. Fred Waterford and Serena Joy Waterford imprisoned me, beat me, and raped me. I came to the Waterfords' house in 2017. It was my second posting. A few days after my arrival, I was summoned to the drawing room where I was asked to kneel in front of the Waterfords, as witnessed by their housekeeper, Rita Blue, and their driver, Nick Blaine. Mr. Waterford read a story from the Bible about Rachel and Bela. After that, I was taken upstairs to her bedroom. There, Mr. Waterford raped me while his wife held me down. This happened for three successive nights every month when I was ovulating. These were the legally sanctioned rapes. There were others. Mrs. Waterford was desperate for me to get pregnant and questioned her husband's fertility. She ordered me to have sex with their driver. Another violation of Gilead law that I could not refuse. I did become pregnant with my daughter, Nicole. My daughter. At nine months pregnant, I went into false labor. For this, Mrs. Waterford was very angry with me and felt embarrassed in front of her friends who had gathered to witness the birth. As punishment, Mr. Waterford raped me again while she held me down. I have gone back to, because I, I sort of stopped around the start of season three and I've gone back and watched some more yeah. of season three. You know, I, I'm just watching it now where Bradley Whitford's character is becoming more of a sort of a prominent thing and you're seeing his so true colours. And He's you know so Bradley Whitford in anything you know is 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 brilliant, and I think he can play that whole gamut of being charming and being sinister and 
as we saw in in Get Out, I suppose. I mean, we put it in one of the best shows of the decade anyway, but it could be one of the most important female-led shows of the last, Mm. well, ever, I think, because of the story it tells and the central performances. It's amazing. I, I can understand why you dropped off. I can understand why a lot of people have dropped off, because it is miserable seeing these people continually lose in whatever they do. But I feel like this series, as much as The Handmaid's Tale can ever be, was almost uplifting and there were there were funny moments and joyous moments and w- watching them escape was incredibly moving and you're always thinking it's going to go horribly wrong for them which often it does but yeah if you've fallen off it but I've inspired you then I would urge you to seek it out the issue is you can't it's not available series 4 as I understand it is not available on any streaming service currently in the UK but be sure to look at the site and to look at my Twitter and I'll let you know in the coming weeks should it appear anywhere. Number nine on the contributors list is Alma's Not Normal, uh, which got 19 points and featured on three lists. And now on number eight uh, is the same show, Luke. A toast to my new wife, the Empress of Russia. No, you don't talk, my love. Oh, of course. These sticks are to enhance your fertility, but I cannot work out whether we wave them over your womb or insert them into you. I'm pretty sure it's a wave them situation. We shall discuss whether or not to kill the Empress. She is a strange creature who I sense is at times laughing at me. Empress, there are unhappy men here looking for a leader. If the Emperor dies, Russia goes to the Empress. Russia must be saved, and I with it. I don't want to kill you. You're not a bad person. I could kill you. You are a bad person. (laughs) You're funny. Treason is what we're discussing here. It's a dangerous game. Do not worry. All is bliss in the court of Catherine the Great. Touche. Do you mean touche? And it rhymes. (laughs) Which is not the reason I put it there. (laughs) So as I mean, as I said, from this point on, yeah. every, like up to my number four, that there I was, I was struggling to sort of place them. The great maybe it's it's a case of it being on so early in the year that I might have forgotten certain things about it. So I mean, this was the sort of comic, slightly certainly partly comic retelling of the story of Catherine the Great and her trying to sort of usurp her husband, Peter, and take over control of Russia, starred uh, Elle Fanning as Catherine and, and Nicholas Holt as Peter. Why is it on your list? You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tura Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. 
Yes, like wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. I thought it was a breath of fresh air. I thought it was. I traditionally don't like period pieces because I find them dowdy, unrelatable. But this was just so off the wall, but also grounded in some sort of strange reality that I just couldn't stop watching. It made me laugh possibly more than any other comedy thing this year. And it was, and there was, it felt like they had some real stakes, you know real danger involved if this had gone wrong so it had a dark side as well it was so difficult to pin down into a genre because it is its own thing and i just adored it and i can't believe i've been sitting on the the next series and haven't watched it because we want to talk about it for the pod but i absolutely adored it full of swearing full of humor it was just it lived up to its name and not just Nicholas Holt and Al Fanning, but even the supporting cast. Everyone felt so, you know, drawn out and brilliantly played. I just loved the world of the show and the music and the way, the style of it. And I couldn't, I binged it. I just couldn't stop watching. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you say, like Phoebe Fox was brilliant. Um, Adam, Doug- Adam Godley, Sasha Darwin. Douglas Henshaw. Yeah. And um, William Lee, as you yeah. know, and Brian May. I think the only thing that can compare it to, and this was um, the same writer, Tony McNamara, who created The Great, is, is the favourite, the um, Olivia Coleman film, because, again, it's it's very irreverent, very... There are some humorous elements, and then it gets really dark really quickly. I'm, I'm thinking mainly about the smallpox episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that final episode where they're sort of turning the tables on each other. And, you know, leading up to this coup and, and her sort of having to make a decision between the man she loves and the country. And, it's and... all on, on an edge all the time. Mm. It feels like succession in that way where something could happen. It just tips things over the edge. And mm. Yeah, really exciting. Yeah, and and as you say, I mean, Elle Fanning was absolutely fantastic in this. There was that naivety in her performance that she was this teenager who'd been thrust out of rural life into this mad palace full of maniacs and people climb the social ladder and then Nicholas Holt's just sort of completely balmy czar who had this cutthroat edge to him but was also quite childlike in a way because that's how he'd been raised and they at some points did the unthinkable about making him likable as well, which I, I, you know, you didn't think they would be able to do. And, and I, I think it was very much a success. Yeah. So that's the great, that's number eight. And it, as Luke says, it rhymes and it's the same on both of our lists and look away now, Luke, because number eight on the contributors list with 20 points featuring on three lists is the serpent. I was trying to make that noise that Sideshow Bob makes when he steps on the rake right there, but I thought I'm not going to do it. That one. <laughs> this one was interesting because it only featured on one list quite low down to begin with, and then like two of the people who contributed quite late 
had it really high on their lists, and I I'm knew like, I should never let them in. <laughs> it's it's odd that this is sort of stuck with people into putting that because it was as you say, you know it was, what it is though, yeah, and it's coming going back to what you said at the beginning. It's the Netflix effect. So yes, it was on in January, but it turned up in like July in on Netflix. Mm. So I think people have seen it there. I think as well, a lot of our contributors do watch things when they're on more so than the general population. It was really interesting you say that, though, because I had a conversation with my brother and sister-in-law the other day. As you say, the Netflix effect. They had just watched the Salisbury Poison. (laughs) Really? Wow. Really hot. (laughs) Interesting. Isn't Isn't that the cleverest brand you've ever known? Because they probably wouldn't have seeked it out on the iPlayer. It pops up on Netflix and they go, we'll give this a try. It's so... Strange. Yeah, people it's did that. Clever branding. Someone at work did that with uh, Mrs. Wilson as well, the Ruth Wilson thing from years ago. Well, no matter how hard the BBC try sticking all their dramas up on iPlayer, I still think that people go to Netflix. It doesn't matter to them it's a BBC drama. They just know it's Netflix. Did adult material have that bump, do you think? Because that's gone on Netflix recently, I hasn't don't, it? I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Mm-hmm. I've recommended it to a few people. I haven't heard the trickle down effect, mm-hmm. but then you—I wouldn't have known about Salisbury poisoning if you've no. spoken to. No, and Mrs. Before. Wilson. That happened with the Fool as well, didn't it? A lot of people said, "Have you seen the Fool? This new thing on Netflix?" I say, "Yeah, I saw it years ago when it was on BBC Two." Twenty thirteen. My number seven, and you were talking earlier about comedies that have got a dark edge to them and female-centric comedies, mm-hmm. and and as I mentioned as well, this popped up on on a few of our contributor lists. Alma's was not normal. Is my number seven. I've got to be honest, Carol, I've got no qualifications or job experience, but I've got pizzazz, I've got charisma, and I think outside the box. I'm also capable of being in the box at the same time. I can do both, if you know what I mean. Not really, no. Why don't you have any qualifications? The truth is, for the first seven years of my life, I didn't even go to school. I had my own key by the age of five, fed myself, clothed myself, ran my own schedule. Mowgli with a mullet. Tappy. Think the baby from train spotting. If she'd lived. And when I did go to school, I was eventually excluded for arriving drunk in a bikini. I was just never much of an academic. So, what job experience have you got? Well, I actually want to be an actress. What job experience have you got? My boyfriend had his own business and I used to help him out. But he recently left me, Carol. Do you know, he left me knowing full well that I won't be able to cover my rent this month. Right. Let's get back on track, eh? Yes. I'm sorry that you've had a difficult time. Our plan here is to get you back on track. Yes, and that's what I want. I just want to throw myself into a career. Forget men, I'm a career woman now. Here we go. I have a job match for you. Fabulous. Sandwich artist at Sub and Go. Sandwich artist? What am I doing, painting the sandwiches? No, making the sandwiches, using the till... Dealing with customers. That's not what I want to do. You don't have many options, love. Well, actually, that's about to change, Carol. I've just had an audition and it felt very promising, I'll have you know. To stay on JSA, you need to be actively seeking work, Miss Nuttall. Shall I put in an expression of interest? Yeah, go on. And a lot on this list, or a few on this list as well that I've picked are... 
sort of semi-autobiographical works or works that are quite personal. British broadcasters do let people have more personal picks. I don't know if that if you feel that's true. Of like, I feel, they... like, I feel like FX is the only because <laughs> they did like Atlanta with Donald Glover. They let Pamela Adlon do whatever she wants in Pose and Pose as well. But yeah, if you if you're gonna compare our networks, if you're gonna call our terrestrial TV network yeah. TV, then we are streams ahead where that's concerned. Mm. It's again, it's the the smaller ones, BBC Two, BBC Three, Channel Four. Yeah, I don't know if you're seeing that as much on on BBC One or ITV, apart from maybe like one-offs things that Jimmy McGovern gets to put through and things like that. Yeah. Alma's Not Normal, which is Sophie Willen's semi-autobiographical sitcom. She spent some of her childhood in care and she worked as a sex worker and she incorporates that into this program her character is alma who is a very larger than life character you know she walks around in this big pink coat she's very loud very brash but it is almost and i think this is where the show gets it right is this is a persona that she's putting on i think with these larger-than-life comic characters, you need to have something below the surface. And as the show goes on, you see all of these little things. You see that she she doesn't really rate herself at all. This this guy that she's been in a relationship with is an absolute, you know, fool and, and, and doesn't appreciate her. She has a relationship with her nan, who raised her for part of her life. Uh, Lorraine Ashbourne plays the nan. She's very sexual and, and full of life. I, I think this is possibly Siobhan Finneran's best performance. I know it's a big claim, but I think her performance as Alma's mum, this recovering drug addict with mental health issues, who's an arsonist. I mean, she rocks these dentures. She's almost indistinguishable with the makeup and costume they give her. Um, and this struggle that she has to stay sober, to stay sane. Sophie Willen does so well in in sort of criticizing the care system both the child social care system that that alma grew up in and the care that's afforded to these people coming out of rehab or coming out of secure units and the lack of options that is available to them and how a lot of them relapse as a result of that and you don't you don't really see a lot of that in in comedy or in 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 drama really generally there is some sort of more sitcom elements i mean dave spikey turns up halfway through as an acting coach and you feel like he's reprising the role of jerry st Clair from phoenix knights but at its heart is this really personal performance from sophie willen really well written there's a scene where she goes to the, her and some of the other um, escorts go to this house for like a party and she goes to the room of one of the guys to sleep with him and there's this massive picture above them of his, of his wedding of him and his wife and, and they don't mention it at all and i think that's even more powerful in a way this show again didn't get seen by a lot of people as i say you know a few of our contributors had it on their lists i know sarah is a big promoter of it as is Sophie for me I think it's something that more people should watch this is one that hasn't had a second series announced as of yet and I think Sophie Willen has got more ideas in her and would is keen to write one and I think there is a lot more material to this I couldn't get past the brashness of it and it is one of the crass as well I know the the great is full of 
expletives. Sorry, Mister that... Mrs. Prude over there. Sorry, Mrs. Mary Brown. Whitehouse. It just didn't speak to me at all. Yeah, but I know it's it's well regarded, well held, but just not one that spoke to me personally. Okay. Number seven for you. Number seven. I don't feel like I need to talk about this a lot because A, I wrote an article. Why do I keep doing A and Bs? I'm going to stop doing that. It's really annoying me, so it's probably annoying the listeners. So sorry about that. I wrote an article about this. You can find it on the website. We've also spoken in great depth at least twice on the podcast about my number seven, which is Hulu's Only Murders in the Building, which came out here on Star on Disney+. Plus. Uh, this is the Steve Martin, Selena Gomez, Martin Short crime thriller comedy about a murder in a high high rise in new york these three unlikely friends that come together because they're fans of true crime podcasts it's just the most inventive show really i think i would have been happy of just watching that unlikely trio racing around the building trying to uncover clues as to who killed young tim kono but actually it did some really interesting things it did an episode entirely in sign language from the perspective of a deaf character it was quite dark in places but i just thought it had a real heart to it the three central performances were all knockout and some of the side performances like from nathan lane just brilliant it it felt old-fashioned but strangely of now as well i thought it really had its heart in the right place and told a really interesting story and I loved it. I think for me, and, and there's two things here. A, no. <laughs> Don't do that. No, the, fir- the first thing is that I think that if I'd watched this in one chunk, if I'd binged this, mm. I possibly would have had a different opinion of it had we watched it every, you know, it's one a week. It helps in a way that you're got that anticipation. It's a murder mystery, so you've got that anticipation. You've got more clues each week. But as well, I if there if there's an episode that is weaker, it mm. stands out more yeah. than if it does when you're binging it. So I mean, you I know you loved it all. I really I didn't like the episode with Jane Lynch when she popped up as Steve Martin's body, body double, double in an episode. Yeah. I I think from watching it weekly, I think it could have been it would have worked better if it was an eight rather than a ten. There were bits that it mm. felt a little bit stretched out. I mean, I really enjoyed that that episode seven as you mentioned that the one that no dialogue in it at all it was a fun show it was a memorable show the music in this was was oh. brilliant possibly best music Again, of the year. my list has two of the best theme tunes of the year in girls five ever and in in this loved it it sort of presented itself as one thing and for me kept evolving into something else and i really admired it for that because it was about and again it was like about these three broken characters who sort of form this pseudo family in a way the steve martin character is very much the recluse the martin short character who was estranged from his family because he'd lost a lot of money and the selena gomez character who'd obviously been through this this trauma uh, early on in her life and was related to the murder more so than the, the other two. So, yeah. And and interestingly, it's also number seven in the contributors list as well. Well done, people. Um, featuring on three lists, 21 points that got. So we've got 18, 19, 20, 21. Um, now we come on to uh, the, the first one, I think, that's in both of our lists in different positions. So we'll talk yeah. about it now. And Luke's going to hit me because my number six... Uh, is uh, is Mayor of Easttown. The 
Easttown Police Department received a call reporting a dead body in Creedham Creek. We've decided to bring in a county detective to assist with the case. How do you like working with my mom so far? We're just getting started out. Any tips? Lower your expectations. Should we do this outside? No. All right. Let's go. Hey, hey whoa, whoa, whoa. Mayor, what's what happening? She knows what's, what's happening, Tony. Okay. She knows. Mayor, All right, let's go. Are you friends with these people? Yeah. The terrible events of this past year have ravaged this community. Mayor, who did this? You get this son of a bitch. Because if you don't, I'll kill him myself. I can feel it. This expectation from people to be something I don't think I'm good enough to be. Hey! They think you're a hero. Phil, I'm a fool. You're a lot of things I don't like, but you're not a fool. Okay, fair enough. I'm happy you've got it on there. And mm. we can spoil it and say it's my number one and we can talk about why I put it there in a second. Yeah, I think for me, again, what I said before is that it hasn't really, not a lot of it stuck with me. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tuda Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals. Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. It's one that I really enjoyed at the time, you know, wanted to know what was happening next, was like a lot of us trying to work out who the murderer was and they did that that sort of double swerve on us again if if this had been on towards the end of the year it may have been higher the the last episode i felt it went sort of it went on and on and on and maybe some of the characters didn't get as much as i thought they should have done the is it siobhan the daughter yeah um... yeah siobhan Siobhan just sort of disappeared halfway through. Oh, she's gone to college no, now. She Bye, Siobhan. She yeah. got a goodbye. They all cried mm. at the car. Yeah, but I don't think she got as much. And, and certain people I thought could have got a little bit more in their endings. I know it had to be about in the last episode solving the murder once and for Who all. Who done it? Who done it? Yeah. I mean, we loved Jean Smart in this. We loved oh, Julianne Nicholson. I mean, it was really good. And that's why it's in my list. But I just yeah, think well looking back on it, I can't pick a, as many moments out. The other shows on this list, I think, all had more emotional resonance with me. 
got right. me got as 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 kids say got me in the feels more more so than any other show i mean there's the the one emotional scene is the one with with julianne nicholson that that's the and and rightfully won an emmy uh, for her performance here and um, but yeah you wax lyrical about why it's your okay. favorite show so i you? should preface this i have seen it twice because i watched it weekly and then i showed it to my folks because i thought they'd really enjoy it uh, and I just think we get, we started this conversation, unless I've edited it out, uh, talking about the reliance upon crime drama from specifically the main the main channels and ITV being the main culprit. But I think this shows you, or it shows me at least, that when a crime drama is done expertly like this one was, it's still one of the most exhilarating genres of television you can watch. And I think this had everything that a lot of those crime dramas don't. It had a community. We used to speak about this, about Broadchurch, that did that really well. But it had a believable community at its heart. It was, it just, it just felt like we, we were being dropped into this fully formed world with a massive backstory. It had a lot of humour at the heart, thanks to the relationship between Kate Winslet and Jean Smart. And it had a really compelling central mystery that w- that really kept me hooked and I think this is, we said about Only Murders in the Building would have worked better as a binge and I can see that but I look forward to this every week more so than just about any other show on the list because it was just expertly done, I just thought everybody was on top of the game Kate Winslet who I've not seen in a ton to be honest here she just absolutely stole every scene she was in. The connection she has with Evan Peters' character was brilliant. It just twisted and turned. Every time you thought you knew what it was about, it would twist again. I loved all the stuff with Evan Peters and her in the house where the girls who were being held captive are sort of trying to make, trying to make their presence known. It was properly engrossing, properly thrilling, made me laugh, hit me in the feels. Uh, where it should and it, I, I just think it's my number one because it's an example of a genre that I do enjoy when it's done well and I think it's also an example of championing the importance of the week to week discussion because I was literally waiting every morning to wake up and watch Mayor of Easttown loved it Contributors number six and you said it was something you almost put on your list uh, with 22 points featuring on three lists it's time did you consider it at all? No, really, no. It's one that hasn't... I, I liked parts of it, but I, I think all the stuff with... And I know it does happen, the stuff with Stephen Graham and... The Stephen Graham the... stuff felt like something I'd seen before, I think was my mm. issue. It made Whereas it feel too Sean much Beach. like a, 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 a thriller almost, didn't it? Rather than yeah. this observational drama that it almost felt like they were in two different programmes at points. Mm, at times, yeah. Yeah. My number six, and I may lose all my TV TV critic credibility here, my number six is Succession. I dropped a bomb. The whole world is watching for my next move. You're the number one trending topic ahead of Tater Tots, and the Pope followed you. Wow. Uh, Okay, no, this is not the... Is this the real... uh, No, I don't think this is a Pope. My family have disappeared. I need to know where everyone is and what everyone's thinking. There he is, the little man who started this big war. Right now, I'm the real you. You sound deranged. 
as I understand it, you want to take down your dad without implicating yourself. Correct. And without damaging the company to the extent that you lose control at your shareholder meeting. Do you have an actual case, Ken? Yes, I can kill her. There's blood in the water. Sharks are coming. We're gonna lose the company. We're gonna lose the fucking company Yo. today. Investigation's looking pretty bad. I'm focused on not going to jail. Logan says we have to take these. Cyanide pills. It's a mint. You do it for... No one's on my side in this. I need you to protect me, Pinky. If we don't beef up soon, I think we end up someone's lunch. When will your father die? Uh, with due respect. No, no, no. Obviously. Yeah, no. Obviously, hugely looking forward to my father dying. Right. Roman is a knucklehead, Shiv is a fake, and Kenny is screwy. I've seen more than any of them. This life is not for everyone. It's a number on a piece of paper. It's a fight for a knife in the mud. I'm a good guy. I'm better than you. We'll go full fucking beast! When Succession is great and that final episode is one of the best hours of television I've seen. Ever. Not just this year, but ever. A final episode blew me away. There was greatness in every episode, and particular episodes really shone. But then other times, I felt like it really only got going in the last 15-20 minutes of the episode, and I was invested again. The episode where they were picking president didn't really work for me. There was an episode where all the, the Roy family are quite disparate, and it lost some of the great kinetic energy because... That show works best when they're all riffing off each other. Although I really appreciated it and it is still one of the best shows of the last 10 years and that finale was brilliant. There were times when I got, dare I say, a tiny bit either confused about what they were talking about or even, I don't know if I dare say it, bored at times. But then it would come back round in the last 15-20 minutes and come alive again. Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't got it that much. I've got it in before. But I think those last three episodes yeah. really... And I, I think, you know, I liked... The second episode was really good when they had all the siblings in in Kendall's flat together. The fifth episode, uh, where he's got the, the UTI. Even the stuff like the Adrian Brody stuff. I think it's great when these characters break their facade. So, like, for example, you see Logan as this old man that he is, this sort of frail old man which you did see in that in that Adrian Brody episode. Jeremy Strong's performance as as Kendall, absolutely fantastic. You know, throughout the series, you saw him go to, the, you know, this real high, but you saw that there was something, you know, that he was struggling with, and that all came out in that birthday episode that I thought was fantastic, I think, yeah. that episode. And then how the dynamic shifts... In the last episodes as well, Brilliant. you know, where I can't where, wait for the next lot. And I think that should be the last, really. I know we've had this conversation, I think, off air, and uh, it needs to end soon. And I think where all the characters are at the moment, they can't go much further now, I don't think. No. I mean, the dialogue's brilliant. You know, you've got that humour uh, from Jesse Armstrong, but you've also got the fact that these characters are saying about seven different things in one line of dialogue. You need to be a very skilled writer to pull that off, and you need yeah. to be a very skilled performer to pull that off. And I think you're right; it it shines more when the family are on screen together. But you can't, unfortunately, you can't do that yeah. all the time. They have to break off and 
and have their separate and even the the stuff with with the dip pick as well Brilliant. i thought was was fantastic i mean there are a lot of of moments in there i think we'll st- even if this was on in the middle of the year i think we'll still have stuck with me yeah. like some of the scenes from from season two have there's so many things I love about Sex Education. I love that it's basically a British show with an Engli- with an American cast on HBO, but nobody talks about. You know, Jesse Armstrong writes it. So does Lucy Preble, who does um, who did uh, I Hate Susie, Georgia Pritchett, who worked on The Thick of It, and Tony Roach. So it's basically a British show that has become this hugely critically obsessed HBO drama which is just brilliant we keep talking about it and I think it is worth saying that I decided to watch this weekly on H- on Sky Atlantic and you did all of the episodes that were given to critics mm. seven and then, so I watched yeah. seven together you so binged actually, it didn't you yeah I watched all but the last two episodes quite close together and again that's it's sort of my argument that maybe if you binge you have a different opinion than if you watch weekly because maybe I would have it would have been further down had I not watched everything together because I watched that episode. I, I'm I'm with you. I think that was possibly the weakest episode. Apart from the best thing about that episode was the scene with Kendall and Tom in the diner, I thought was really, mm. really well done. Yeah. But then I watched the birthday episode straight afterwards. I think mm. I watched five, six and seven in in succession. And um, of succession. So that, <laughs> that, that was sandwiched in between two really good episodes it didn't have that much whereas if yeah. i again like i said about only murders in the building had i had to wait a week then yeah that would have lingered with me more that oh i didn't enjoy succession this week so all these shows could have yeah. easily been um moved around all a of little mine bit. could have been moved around i don't think we've ever spoken about this is your preferred mode of watching stuff binging if i really like something and i want to see where the story goes and it is available to me then yeah because that's a na- that's a natural human instinct, isn't it? If it's there and I like it, then I'm yeah. going to watch more. I mean, there's stuff that I've watched the first episode of, and then got like, for example, uh, Lupin went back, watched the first episode for the podcast, and then sort of six months later <laughs> went back to watch it, um, or the investigation. Because Luke's on me like a gnat when I like something on the podcast, and then I don't watch it straight away. Not I've got this me. little gnat in my ear. Have you watched that yet? Have you watched that yet? Have you watched that yet? Not <laughs> little. I'm normal size. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so so Succession is my number six and Matt's number four. My number five? Yep. One, again, Luke tried and he just couldn't get on board with is Ted Lasso. I don't get it. It's the performances for you, though, isn't it? I think. Yeah. You struggle with. Yeah. You struggle, I think, when people are heightened, comedy heightened, British people. So you struggle with this. You struggle with We Are Lady Parts for the same reason. But something like Girls 5 Ever, where they're all really heightened and sort of caricaturish to an extent, because it's done with an American accent, you seem to have less of an issue yeah, with it. I mean, yeah, but then why Why do I love Father Ted? And why do I love... Uh, you're probably right, but then there are always... With this exception, or the in betweeners, you know. I never loved the in betweeners. No. Tell you what, I did love, which surprised me, and it's the, the and I stayed with it far longer than most. Mm. Was not going out when it first started, mm. and that that is very. That's heavy. a bit different, though. I think that's sort of slapsticky more, isn't it? And Father mm. Ted, perhaps. But what they did in this second season is they sort of stripped back the comments. So the stuff that you didn't like when you've seen it. They've stripped that back a little bit more. 
still got the gags and stuff like that, but it's a lot more character focused. And actually, like with Alma's Not Normal, you've got Ted Lasso, who is this really sort of comic character who is almost caricaturish. You know, he's he's always really positive. He's come over to to manage this Premier League team. It's very sort of story heavy in, in series one. There's this story about uh, the character of Rebecca Hannah Waddingham's character trying to bring down the club because um, she's divorced her husband who's left of the club and he, it was the only thing he cared about. So she wants to damage it. And that is almost sort of a bit of a like a pantomime story that ends in season one as well. So you're left really with like a character study. And in terms of Ted Lasso, he suffers with panic attacks that he's mm. so jolly and really positive that that starts to affect his mental health. And then we find out in the second season, almost like why he's put on this front is that you find out his dad committed suicide. There's a lot more about mental health in the second season. They bring in this um, psychiatrist character who Ted really struggles with. And you find out that's why that he doesn't like to talk about himself. He doesn't like to talk about his feelings. And I found that uh, thread really good, really powerful. And again, like an Alma's Not Normal, not something that is often talked about in a sitcom. It has so many moments of joy in the characters, I think, are all really sort of positive characters in the most part. I love Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent, this sort of ageing hard man character. In the second season, you have him join Sky Sports News briefly, and you see him interact with Chris Kamara and with Jeff Stelling. Uh, they do a great sort of rom-com parody where he goes back to the club. They so somehow decided to do a Christmas episode halfway through the season, which surprised everyone, but again, was was really, really good and really joyful. And I think it has got this joyous spirit to it that a lot of people who love it find it really infectious. And another thing, actually, that you mentioned when we had um, Dawn on the Christmas show and we were talking about will-they-won't-they they relationships that in the second series of Ted Lasso, the Ted and Rebecca male-female friendship, which is something that you get, you said you really like in in shows, that is one of the strongest elements, that they are really close allies, but there's not a, a hint of any romance between them at all. And and that is, one of, again, one of the strengths. And there's every character in there, you know, feels well-drawn. You know, there's about 10 different central characters and I feel that they all feel really well drawn. Um, and, and I really got on board with this. Um, it is more, I think, a critical darling over here because not a lot of people have got Apple TV Plus, I think is the, is the big thing, really. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. 
free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off. Plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Speaking of well drawn, did you know they've got an animated episode out at the moment? No, I did not. Is that a, a special? Yes. Okay. It's not on Apple TV Plus. It's on YouTube. Okay. You I will. I will go and watch that. Thank you very much. Well, let's finish the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and your number five. My number five, and this is where the list goes haywire because any of these could be top, and you've got to bear that in mind. The the numbers are just. They don't mean anything. They're just numbers. They're, numbers are numbers. <laughs> that's what you say. Yes, that's a perfectly eloquent way of putting it. My number five is much higher on yours because we shared our two lists this year. It's Pose. This job is not for the faint of heart. You're a trans woman of color working in a hospital. I'm just trying to stay afloat. Is this about your legacy? No, it's about our legacy. Five, six, seven, eight. We rose from the bottom. And we became stars. When we walk together, we make a statement. I'm in. We're just going to be ourselves and that's it. The balls ain't what they used to be. Cash prizes and tacky lip syncs. There used to be the sense of urgency and community. And then folks just started dying. I knew this disease was going to eat me alive. But I'm not going out without a fight. We'll do it together as a family. I'm done running. From myself, my destiny. I'm not running no more. And we haven't reviewed this before because you have never put out the podcast. And and there's another one that's on my list higher that we've never talked about that people think we've not seen because I didn't put the podcast Maybe just we won't talk about it and just put in, find that when we recorded it. I don't know when that was, otherwise I would. Pose, though, reached its conclusion and I was... So in love with the show, and I sort of when we heard series three would be the last, I was really annoyed at first because I thought it had so much story left to tell. And then when it got delayed by bloody COVID, bloody 19, and all the other COVIDs, I was annoyed by that as well. What we eventually got in the I think eight episodes that it became was just perfect, just joyous, really got me in the heart, and gave each and every one of these characters that I've become really attached to, a proper send-off. There won't be another show like Pose in my lifetime. I don't think there will ever be a show that shines a spotlight on a community that doesn't get the spotlight shone on it and does it with so much dignity and empathy and warmth and humanity, and I just think it does everything right. I think it explores the characters that we already feel we know so well and gives them new dimensions. It doesn't shy away from the, the harsh realities that life imposed on them. Specifically with the AIDS epidemic. Which 
I know it's a sin is higher on our list. Um, Not on mine, baby. All right, darling. But <laughs> which which handled it better in retrospect? I think it's hard to say because it's different sides of it, isn't it? It's it's the American side and the British side to an extent. Yeah. It's people who both got experiences of going through it in that country. I think with Pose, they explored it over multiple seasons, whereas It's a Sin was five episode arc. So I think yeah. Pose got to do it in more detail, but I think you got a sense of how it personally affected every member of that community. I mean, yeah. pray tell, Bill Porter's character oh in the first God. season is this really Compare. sort of... It's the comp- he's the, the scene stealer, the, the one who's... Lights up the scenes. The category is... Yeah. By when we get to this season and he's struggling with alcoholism because he's going to how many funerals funerals. that it just is getting to him. And obviously he's got AIDS as well as we find. I think he's he's diagnosed towards the end of season one. I I think for me, what placed this higher in my... So this was my number two. I remember so many of the scenes in this have stuck with me and um spoiler i'm afraid because <laughs> you know if you if you're gonna watch it you would have watched it but um billy porter's character dies in 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 this penultimate episode and this the scenes just so the the scenes just before he dies you've got the thing with him and and blanca doing the ain't diana no ross ain't no mountain high enough lip sync and I just thought that scene was brilliant just to show Blank because you know you don't really see a lot of Blanca doing the balls. No. Very much. Never. You know, she's the, the heart of she's this. The, she's the house mother, so she's she doesn't the really do them. She's not one of the performers. And then following that with such a brilliant scene that I don't think you'd see in any other drama where no. you've got Praytel taking his makeup off to say a little prayer for you, you know. Oh getting all this off his face, looking at himself in the mirror and then blowing the candles out in his in his house and that's the last time you see him. I don't think I've seen sort of more of a, a, a perfect scene. And then there's other things as well. There's Angel and Pappy's wedding, the, the sing-along one. there, all for one. The Pray Tell episode where he goes back home and you mm-hmm. see his relationship with his mother. Even the stuff with Electra, who's a character that we haven't always sort of got on board with. They explained no. why she talks with this posh accent which always irked me and you find out that her natural accent is is an african accent and that's why she puts on this affection i mean there, there's bits that i struggle with a little bit and as you say they struggled with not having access to some cast members because of covid but the way they got around that was having episodes almost like dedicated to each character so each mm. character got there and then you had like the last two episodes which were focused on on the ensemble, I think it was a perfect final scene linking it to mm. the last scene of the first episode. Every character got their perfect ending. It stayed with me even now talking about it. I'm getting a little bit emotional. So, yeah, and that's why it is, it's so high up in my list. Um, and as I say, my top three, when we get when we get into it, we're always sort of set in stone. It's sort of my four to eight that I could have possibly sort of switched around a little bit more. And I think we're going back to the contributor list, are we now? Yes. And there, number five, again featuring on three lists, but it did get uh, to one number one spot. Completely surprising, this one. The North Water. 
and as I said, my number four is is Succession. So Luke can yeah. go next. Speaking of things that people gravitate towards differently, and things we've not really discussed on the podcast, because weirdly enough, my five and four were on the same podcast that never saw the light of day. Number four, just indulge me for a second, is the White Lotus. I'll go and make a brew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Welcome to the White Lotus. <laughs> Am I interrupting? I know it's only your honeymoon. Oh my God, look at her face. Rachel, you were such a beautiful bride, but also very pale. But now you have a little more color and it looks great. Thanks. You are so talented. Do you really know what you're doing? You think you could have dinner with me at the hotel tonight? I I get off at seven? Yeah, that's good. I mean, like a couple minutes after seven at at the restaurant. Sounds great. Who thinks I'm an asshole? Were you an asshole? I guess I'm just wondering what um, you might be able to do for us to make us feel better. No, I was actually trying to not be an asshole. That you failed? Watching them eat every night makes me want to gouge my eyes out. Belinda! Belinda! What I want is to speak to your boss. I don't think it's the most romantic hotel in Hawaii, do you? Perfectly fine, but are you finding it very romantic? Okay. I have said all the way through this that the pandemic has ruined so many things and it has ruined television for me in a lot of ways. But actually looking at these lists, what it has forced creators and writers to do is create more intimate shows. And the whole reason The White Lotus exists much to Matt's chagrin, is because of the pandemic. HV asked Mike White if he could write something self-contained where cast and crew could bubble. Didn't matter what it was, didn't matter what genre it was, and he wrote this very quickly, and it meant that the cast and crew could bubble in the hotel in Hawaii that was obviously free of guests, and the cast and crew could just use it there, bubble up. This is the story of The White Lotus, which is a resort where only the privileged go because of the cost of it, and we see several characters arrive, and uh, we see uh, Murray Bartlett's manager sort of briefing the staff on how to behave, that these guests can be awkward, but you just have to give them what they, what they ask for and what they want. Jake Lacey's in there as this really uptight guy on his honeymoon, who is immediately irked because feels like he was given the wrong room even though his parents paid for the honeymoon suite he feels like Anand the hotel manager has got a personal vendetta against him because he hasn't booked him in the room and their relationship going forward is very interesting you then got Jennifer Coolidge's character who is there to scatter the ashes of the mother she didn't really like she feels lost feels like she doesn't really have a place in the world and confides in the owner of the spa at the hotel and feels like there might be a good partnership and go into business together and that doesn't that doesn't pan out the way they want then we've got connie Britton's character bringing her family on holiday her husband played by steve zahn worries at the start that he's got testicular cancer and over the course of the episodes you sort of see these rich white privileges sort of satired and punctured throughout the show could never pinpoint what it was going to do. I didn't understand what the show was really, but I was always interested. It starts in the vein of Big Little Lies, where we know somebody was murdered and we see them loaded onto a ship, or loaded onto a plane, sorry, to be sent back home. 
know, no, we know someone died, didn't we? We didn't yeah. murdered. We didn't know that. So that that sort of hangs over the series, but is it easy to forget about it as well? But because it doesn't keep doing that thing of flashing. I didn't think so, you. but there you go. He didn't like it because he struggles with wealth and privilege. I think nearly twice a week we talk about Matt's problem with what with the wealthy and the privileged bemoaning their wealth and privilege and, and the little things in life that irk them that he just can't can I to Can I doesn't. sort of explain in my own words rather than In a minute, in a minute. <laughs> it is something that bothers me, specifically in period dramas. It's why, you know, I don't gravitate to them and it is one of my bugbears too. But for, But this... It was funny when it needed to be. It was dark. You always had the staff at the hotel sort of grounding the whole thing. And I just found it completely unpredictable. It was strange. It was unnerving. The characters I found fascinating. Even the way they behaved, not just with their significant others, but with their fellow guests. Every time they interacted was really fascinating. They were objectively horrible people. And HBO seems to have cornered the market in putting horrible people front and centre in dramas but yeah I just thought it was the one of the most unique shows of the year and I will re-watch it and enjoy it again I'm sure my issue is that none of these awful characters got their comeuppance and all of the likeable characters who waited on them who were the ones that you wanted to root for so for example there was mm. the lady who ran the spa who Jennifer Coolidge said yeah. she would donate money to and then didn't. didn't. The um, waiter who the friend of the Sydney Sweeney character had got him to rob some of Connie Britton's jewels so he could do, you know, do better for his family. All of these characters basically ended up either worse or in the same position that they did when it started, whereas nothing changed for the people with, with wealth. Now, your yeah. argument for that at the time when we recorded the podcast that never aired... That is because it was reflecting what happens in real life. Yeah, but in American I... societies, the rich and powerful are held, are just things that don't touch them the same as they would us. They can behave in the most despicable way. And because of the, the type of people that they are and the wealth that they have, they'll never be touched. I mean, Trump was completely proof of that. He's never been touched but... at all, done the most despicable things to American society and democracy and all the rest of it and never been touched. And I think it was talking about that. Is that something I particularly want to see on TV? Even with Succession, where all these characters are really rich and wealthy and awful, it's, it's Logan mm. who's made them that way. You know, they do regularly have their downfalls and pitfalls and everyone is at their lowest ebb at times and then gets picked up again when Logan's paying more attention to them. But you didn't have any of that with these characters. They were rich and getting richer. Even when you thought the Jake Lacey character, his wife was going to leave him, she ultimately made the decision to stick with him, even though he was completely reprehensible. And I didn't understand that decision at all. That made no sense to me, especially as they had set up in that opening scene that, that, that she'd left him. And actually, if they hadn't have done that opening scene it possibly would have would have worked better for me had they just stayed together. Is it something I particularly want to see on screen, that this is what's going on in real life, that all the rich people succeed, whereas mm. the people who serve on them, things get worse for them? No, it's not yeah. really. And I did like, I, you know, I liked some of the performances. I thought the dialogue worked well. It did have almost this sort of dreamy, 
almost heightened aspect to it with the music and the way it was shot. The decision at the end of the Steve Zone and Connie Britton's son to go and Stay. go away and surf, I thought that was completely ridiculous. That didn't make any sense to me at all. If this is meant to be something re- in real life, that would not happen in real life at all. You know, I understand why people liked it, but for me... It's something that I real really struggle with, and the fact that none of these characters got their come up, and even if one of them had, perhaps that would would have sufficed for me. Uh, but I just think it's not something I particularly like seeing on screen. And you know, we talked about that more recently when we talked about very British scandal. You know, me and Sarah and Will talked about how we struggled because it was about all these rich people being rich, and only when things started to go wrong for them. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. That we started to like it, but nothing really and ultimately went wrong for the characters in the White Lotus is why I, I didn't really like it all that much. Okay. Oh, what was number four in the contributors list? Number four in the contributors list was Squid Game. You talked to me before we recorded this about going back to some things. Just part of me wondered if you'd watch Squid Game just to see if it ended up on your list. Get out of my mind, Luke. <laughs> Yes, I did watch a couple more episodes of Squid Game because we we talked about it and I know I'd enjoyed it a lot more than you did. Um, I've only got up to episode three, not because I didn't enjoy it, but because I don't think I was compelled enough to keep watching it at the pace I think other people were. I think it got better after that first episode. I know your criticism of that first episode was that you didn't like the guy that they focused on mm-hmm. in the in the first episode. But looking at the other characters that the show is focused upon, who you get a lot more t- spend a lot more time in the second episode, because what happens in episode two is mm-hmm. that they briefly decide to not be in the squid game. And you, you follow, so for example, there's the girl who picks his pocket, who turns out to be a defector from North Korea and she's trying to find her parents and her brother's in care. His friend who's lost loads of money and the police are after him. And there's this Middle Eastern immigrant who is working for no money. So there's all these different characters. But looking at all these characters, I think 
the one that you needed to focus on initially was this down on his luck loser kind basically loser, yeah. yeah because he's the best sort of audience proxy in a way i think he has got the best facial expressions as well <laughs> so i think his reactions to when people start getting shot in the first episode it works the best but when they all go back to the squid game a <laughs> the, oh god you know more about these characters now the yeah. other thing they do in that second episode is they introduce this police officer character whose brother was one of the ones who was killed in that first game. So, because he goes to his apartment, finds one of those cards. So he follows them when they all go back to the squid game and ends up going undercover as one of the guards. So there's all these little, these more, these elements when you go back into it and people are more aware then of what's happening. Whereas before, obviously, they didn't know that they were all risking their lives. So yeah, I, I can understand why people have gravitated towards. Again, I think this is, more of a sort of a bin show. Nobody yeah. had it interestingly as their number one show of the year. I think it got there was a couple of possibly second places. Um, as I say, five of the twelve people had it on their list, so it was one of the more popular ones. Okay, number three on your list. And number three on your list. It's not fair. Every time we go out as this shit, the whole thing is a pack of lies. No, but that man Pete, he said he met this man who said he was... Oh, he said, she said, they said. They're always saying something. But do you want to know the truth? Do you know what it really is, AIDS? It's a racket. It's a money-making scheme for drugs companies. Do you seriously think there's an illness that only kills gay men? It can calculate that you're gay and kill you, but no one else. Hmm. What about bisexuals? Do they only get sick every other day? And they say it's a cancer, but you can't catch cancer. Cancer is not a thing that can get caught. It's not like a cold or a cough, it's cancer. It doesn't transmit. Because imagine it, gay cancer. How is a cancer gay? I mean, what does it look like? Is it pink? Where is it? Is it in the wrist? I mean, for God's sake. You get all these stories and all these rumors and all these nightmares because that's what they want you to think, that lot. They want to scare us and stop us having sex and make us really boring, basically because they can't get laid. That's the truth. It's a sin. Possibly the most important British drama in the time Matt and I have been on the podcast. I think it's fair to say. It's shone a light onto an epidemic that, being the ages we are, Matt and I were aware of, but perhaps not acutely aware of the origins and the I mean, it's it's Mark Fowler and EastEnders for me, really. (laughs) Yeah, he wasn't mentioned in this, annoyingly. And also, living the way we do, the way the world is now, the parallels between the the initial response to this and what we've all been living through were laid out almost eerily for me. As you said earlier on, Pose had, I think, as it turned out, 30 or 28 episodes. This had five, but it didn't matter because Russell T. Davis was at the helm. He handled this brilliantly. These characters were visceral, they were real, they were young they were energetic, they were looking to enjoy their lives and they were cut down in their prime by this awful epidemic that swept their community. But Colin's death and the reaction to it and the reaction from his mum and then Richie's death when Keely Hawes' character, his mother, is speaking to Lydia West's character and they've, they've missed him passing away, just incredibly moving Yes, there were some bits of it that didn't work for me, but on the whole, the most important British drama in the time that Matt and I have been doing this podcast. Oh, my God, what's wrong with you? He says infectious diseases. What the hell is that supposed to mean? For God's sake, Richie, what 
What is it? What's happened? What's, what's wrong? Look, it's really nice to see you, but I think we should all sit down and have a little chat. It's a bit complicated to explain. Well, evidently, it's so complicated you chose not to tell us anything. Well, we now, said to him, we, we said, what, like what, what is this? They said infectious diseases. So if that's not you tell us too us, much you, to you ask. Guide me. Richard, what's wrong with you? I've got AIDS. I'm gay. I'm homosexual. I contracted HIV and I'm sorry, but now it's AIDS. Where's your doctor? It's a Saturday. I don't think he's in. He's called Dr. Sullivan, but. I want to speak to a doctor. You really are very young. All of you. We should see your faces. <laughs> we thought Christmas. That's what we thought. He won't come home for Christmas, so well, we'll surprise him in November. I've bought presents. That's that's from Lucy. Uh, that is from Auntie Elaine. I'm sorry. Have you got cancer or have you got AIDS? It's both. One causes the other. Well, it's infectious, isn't it, AIDS? It's completely infectious. It's, it's like smallpox. It's like leprosy and it kills you. That's what it does. So this isn't AIDS, is it? Then let us walk right in. So it can't be, can it? I want to say, and I'm not criticising Richie, I just think you should know, I told him to tell you a hundred times. See, what you don't understand, boys are terrible, Jill, and someone like Richie is young and he's pretty and there'll be lots of those men paying him attention and so he goes rutting once in a while. But that doesn't make him homosexual. It's a little bit of fun. But then you grow up. Maybe some boys are like that. But then there's Richie. He's beautifully gay. I'm sorry, but look at him. I mean, he's an actor. He sings songs from the musicals. He's never had a girlfriend. And now he's got a gay disease. Don't mind me. Sandra's got a son, Derek, down the corridor. This is Valerie. Do you think I should have known? You didn't know Richie was gay? Excuse me, what do you mean? What the hell were you looking at? I beg your pardon. What did you see? When he was 11? When he was 15, 16? How old is he? 30? All 30 years and every little speck of him is bent as a nine-bob note since the day he was born. You his mother. You're supposed to think about him day and night. So what the fuck were you doing? Dare you! Get the door. I didn't know. It's because I was being lied to. All right, sweetheart, I'm done. I'm being blamed for not knowing my son when... when you conspired and moved heaven and earth to lie to me. I wasn't lying. You sat there next to him in my house, time after time after time with this... This great, big, elaborate lie. I told you, I said every time. I told you I wasn't his girlfriend. And then you sat there simpering, laughing at every word he said. Never mind about him having a boyfriend. Where the bloody hell is yours? I was doing what Richie wanted. This is what you are. A chorus girl running round after these boys with no life of your own. OK, but I don't really think this is about me. But I think this is absolutely about you. Because you stood in the way. You stood in the way. If I couldn't see him, it's because you stood in the way, you monstrous. 
big bitch. Like my top three, I knew what I was going to have in there. I think what what it's the scene got dragged down just a little bit below Pose was the sort the stuff with Stephen Fry. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. everything else really worked, and I think I loved how the theme of AIDS got more and more. So it started with, oh, it was this this thing that you just sort of people were preaching about, but nobody took seriously. Yeah. And then you had, um, was it Gloria, the the bus conductor character, yeah. died of AIDS in episode two. Then you had Colin at the end of the fourth episode. Richie told everyone, I've got AIDS, and then the fifth episode was. Richie's death and I think perfectly paced all these actors you believe their friendship and actually as I mentioned at the top you could see it in that Bake Off episode on Christmas Day that they're even Sean Dooley who was on that you know they were all really like a family has he got over his homophobia yeah and he can make a decent meringue as well so there's something don't spoil it (laughs) (laughs) it didn't wallow either in it you know it, no, it was joyous it was joyous exactly yeah after richie's death they still celebrated his life uh, again like alma you know this is a personal piece to russell t davis i think it's something he's wanted to write for years and years yeah. not well, uh, after years and years. years and years first <laughs> yes <laughs> um and i know when i saw him at edinburgh in 2019 he was talking about how he was now casting all gay actors down to like the base the character of Jill, for example. She was based on someone who he knew who was in the show as Jill's mum. These people, not just the the men, but the women who stood by the gay men, how important they were, you know, and it is a powerful piece. And again, it is something that really affected me emotionally, yeah. got me several times, you know, yeah. there's several emotional I think Colin's death possibly stands up more than Richie's because he was such a, a naive character. Even though he was only in three episodes, you you really felt for him by the end. And I think for me it was Stephen Fry and oddly Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, yeah. Those two performances, they didn't belong in the show. And I think we spoke about it at the time. I think the character of Roscoe was never really... It was like he was in a different show. He mm. was never really... Because he had all the Stephen Fry stuff, didn't he? He didn't feel like he was... Given I think his beginning and his end with his relationship with his dad, those were the the powerful scenes when he found out like his dad was was in the hospital, you know, was with people in the hospital, and he rekindled that relationship to an extent. I think they yeah. were the more powerful scenes. But you're right, of all the characters, they I think they struggled to know what to do with Roscoe. I think is what you're saying, isn't it? Mm. It's just an example, and it happens. So rarely in television, but it's an example of when a writer has the story that is so personal to them that they've wanted to write for such a long time and they put it on screen and it just feels so true and raw and personal and authentic and from from a place of love and from a genuine desire to to shine a light on this community and the people that he, that Russell knew who were affected by this awful thing. We've been doing the podcast this year, 10 years. I don't think we've spoken about a more important British drama than this. And number three on the contributors list is Succession. 48 points uh, featured on seven lists, including uh, one person having it as their number one. So number two, as I said on my list, was Pose. And then your number two, which is my number one, 
could have so easily changed. It's my number two because it is incredibly powerful. We are, of course, referring to In My Skin from writer Kaylee Llewellyn. So much of what I said about Russell's impact on It's a Sin could be, again, attributed to this. And what Matt said about Sophie Willen's impact on Elmer's Not Normal, again, attributed to this. Kaylee grew up with a mother who, like Bethan's mother in this, was bipolar. She hid it from friends out of embarrassment that they wouldn't want to be around her and they'd think differently of her and she was ashamed of her poor background and upbringing. This second series featured Gabrielle Creevy as Bethan, this young teen with, on the outside, the perfect life because she's lying through her teeth and is quite adept at it to everyone around her about the life she lives, who goes home every night to to not know how her bipolar mother and abusive alcoholic father are going to be behaving. There were some incredibly moving sequences over the course of the five episodes that made up this series. The lead performance from Gabrielle Creevy is one of the best lead performances in anything this year. She just plays that character effortlessly she's beautiful she's sweet she's tender you just want to grab her and hug her and tell her everything's going to be okay she does looks to camera where your heart just bleeds she's one of the most interesting talents i've seen this year i can't wait to see what this does for her in terms of career because it is an outstanding piece of work joe hartley is just remarkable as this bipolar mother She's forced to be so many different characters, but their final exchange where Bethan goes off. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday Sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. To college or university to pursue her, her life, leaving her mother behind for the first time in her life, that was the first time Joe Hartley's character had, had been a mother to her and given her guidance and blessing to go and pursue what she enjoys in life. And that was incredibly moving. And the relationship between Bethan and the girl she meets at school just felt so beautiful. Come. I watched this show so quickly. I, I lived and breathed it for 
two days, I think, in the in the brief gaps that I had to eat dinner and spend time with people I know. I never stopped thinking about it. It was with me and I haven't since. All of the performances are just incredible. They're all heartbreaking. And I'm so glad that you put it at number one because I am Denard. And I'm so glad that you enjoyed it because it was my fault we didn't see the series last year. I saw it way after as something that people were saying is worth looking at under the radar. And I'm so glad that you watched it and enjoyed it enough to be your number one because it is the best BBC drama of the year by a country mile. Nothing even comes close. What this did so well, and I think the reason I've put this at number one, Luke, rather than watching two series together, was it was the only thing that that we watched this year that I don't think that I could fault what was on screen. I think I could fault some of the things that didn't happen, but I couldn't fault anything that did happen in the story. I think it's one of the best depictions of teenagers, that teenagers are essentially idiots. You don't want to tell your mates necessarily what's going on at home. You don't want that. You just want to be like somebody else. And that's what Kaylee Llewellyn captured so well and Gabrielle Creevy acted so well that that Bethan just wanted to be normal, just wanted to be like those friends of hers. You know, even to the extent that she didn't want to really talk about her sexuality all that much either, not just the, the things that were going on with her parents at home. I thought the cast, as you say, up and down were brilliant. You, you could believe that these characters had lived mm. in this small town. You know, everyone in the bingo hall, everyone in the pub, everyone, the, the, the chip shop owner, everyone knew each other. The school teachers didn't... I mean, I, I did initially, in the, maybe in the first series, I have issues with Laura Checkley's PE teacher, but even that in the second series dimmed down a little. They'd roughened out sort of those comic edges. Yeah. I just, I just think, you know, this is a series, again, I think it's something that we have always sort of tried to champion these underdog series. And as we had like normal people last year, which were seen by a lot more people because BBC One didn't have anything to show. I I do wonder, would normal people have been as successful had it just dropped on the iPlayer? It's really nice to see that this is cropping up in a lot of end of year lists that people are sort of shining more of a light on it. And I'm hoping that word of mouth will mean even more people get to see it because it is important, but it isn't preachy. You know, it has got that set, that sense of what it's like to be young. It is a really brilliant depiction of mental health in that, you know, some days are brilliant, some days are awful. It's a great depiction of domestic abuse in the, in the, in the character of the father and those little moments where you can see that he does care for Beth and, you know, when, when he buys her a laptop, when she goes off to uni and she says that's the last time I'm ever going to see him. Again, there's so many scenes here which will stick with me. You know, you mentioned the the, the pivotal one there with Beth and, and her mum where, you know, this just this five-minute sort of uncut scene that just sort of broke me again. And then it goes to that, to her reconciling with her friends after, you know, that everyone had found out about what her dad had done. It's joyous, it's heartbreaking, it's life-affirming. Those 10 episodes, I think, are perfect. It's right just to sort of stop it there. Well done to everyone involved, really. I don't think I can say much more than that. In My Skin, all available now on the iPlayer. Number so one. your number one was Mayor of Easttown. Going back to the contributors list. Oh, of course. Their number two was Mayor of Easttown. Yeah. 56 points, seven lists, three number one spots. Number one, I'm sure you can guess it now, 
was It's a Sin. It's only featured on six lists, mm. but every list it featured on, it was number one, which really interested me that there were six lists where it didn't feature, but the other six lists all had it at number one. You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. We asked you on Twitter for your picks of the year, and some of you very kindly got back to us, and I'll read some of those out now. So Lee Thompson, at Lee Thompson 89 says that Time was the show of the year for him, but he also loved Motherland, Stathlet's Flats, Mayor of Easttown, Succession, Physical, and For All Mankind on Apple. Joe, Joe underscore Eliza One, says Dope, Sick, Maid, and Squid Game. Lauren Jones! Yay. It's a sin, without a doubt. La. I also enjoyed Irving Welsh's Crime. Rassic was lots of fun and easy watch during the horrible times of the pandemic. I wanted to say Line of Duty, but the ending really let it down. Matt Riley, who is at It's Riley 08, says, From what I can remember, 24 hours in police custody, gone fishing, Mayor of Easttown and Maid were all superb, which makes me think, Luke, is this your alter ego? <laughs> Possibly. Our friends at Wolf Weekly Podcast, who you would have heard on the Christmas special, said, We must say that we thought the final series of Wentworth was a fantastic ending to a perfect show, but also have a huge soft spot for Mayor of East Town and Squid Games, both binged in one day. And finally, another one, another person who's been very supportive of us over the years, Jordan Gallagher, says, It's a sin and squid game with the two standouts. Love Stathlet's Flats and the White Lotus. Also enjoyed you and the Serpent. Was that a refer- reference to me or <laughs> you? We're here now on the Boxmaster um, portion of the show. Luke has disappeared into the ether. I think he may be back at some point. Who knows? Joining me today are two more willing victims. I don't know if they listened to the Christmas Boxmaster, but um, that went well. Uh, We've got a Boxmaster veteran joining us, uh, Michael, who played this last year at the end of the year. How are you, Michael? I'm very good, thank you. I'm going to get my excuses in early. I feel that I've not connected to a lot of telly this year. And also I feel like I've been slightly adrift than than usual. So if I fail, it's because of that. Secondly, I fractured a bone in my hand a few weeks ago. (laughs) I'm just connecting it to my lack of telly knowledge. Because you can't work the remote control. Exactly. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. If you you hear random cheering in the background, it's not not my family supporting me. They're playing Super Mario 3D World. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm getting no moral support. Was that a Christmas present? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, okay. Not for you, though. Not for me, no, okay. no. Well, we have given you a little bit of a leg up because your competitor today, first time Boxmaster contestant, but regular um, voice of the podcast, uh, Mo's back with us. Hello, Mo. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Shouldn't I be a victim? Mo volunteered. Michael was forced into this. <laughs> Michael was like, I was like, Michael, you haven't been on in a while. It's not for my TV knowledge. It's just an, it, it humiliate me. 
Well, not necessarily. You know, I, I think I've tried with most of these questions to at least have some sort of a clue. There's a couple, I think, where you have to have seen the mm-hmm. series. And I think the, the bonuses, which we'll come to in a moment, I think do skew British. So I'm just hoping Mo forgives me for some of these. I'll let Mo decide. I'll let me, if you're all right, Michael, with Mo going first, as he's he's new to this. Is that all yeah, right? No problem. Yeah. So Mo, would you like set of questions A or set of questions B? Let's go with set of questions B. B. Okie dokie. Okay, so first question. Which actress played then First Lady Hillary Clinton in American Crime Story Impeachment? Oh, um... <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> See, this is one I thought you might know as well. <laughs> oh, man, okay. Oh, man, um... Um... See, I can remember Clive Owen! I can remember him as Bill Clinton! <laughs> I mean, like... I mean, like, uh, Um... Yeah, I'm going to have to pass on that. That's on that. Any idea on that one, Michael, if that was your question? I can picture. Uh, is it Sarah Paulson? No, she was in it. She was Linda Tripp. It was uh, Edie Falco. Oh, I never got that one. Question number two. Did you watch Line of Duty, Mo, by any chance? No. I mean, I started... So okay, let's 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 see how you get on with this question. <laughs> the main investigation in series six of Line of Duty was around the death of Gail Vella, but what was Gail's occupation? Is she a cleaning lady? No. <laughs> Michael, again, do you know this? A uh, journalist. She was a journalist. Yes. Oh, I forgot to ask Mo as well. What bonuses you would like? So we could either go for. Awards or in memoriam? Oh, awards. Awards. Again, these do skew quite... The first one is you might get, but the other two do skew quite British, unfortunately. So, bonus number one. Which series dominated the comedy categories at this year's Emmy Awards, with stars such as Hannah Waddingham and Brett Goldstein winning awards for their performances in the show? Ted Lasso. Yeah, well done. So that is six points for a bonus. Question number four. Harry Walsh in Finding Alice, Joe Harding in Close to Me, and Emma in The Girl Before all did what in TV dramas in 2021? I suppose I would say what what fate did they all suffer? They fell down stairs? They fell down the stairs because uh, Joe didn't actually die. She just got amnesia, if you remember. Yeah, because yeah, I've seen Finding Alice, so yeah. that was... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they all fell. It was a year of dramas where people fell down the stairs. And they were stairs without banisters. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Those smart houses are going to be the death of folks. Question five. So, yeah, that's three points, Mo. Well done. Question five. The central characters in Yellow Jackets were all part of a team that played which sport in high school? I'm going to say football. Now, yeah, well, you know, we'd call it soccer, but... Yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. Football slash soccer, well done. Uh, your second bonus, and I, I, I apologise in advance for this, but you might know it, I don't know. 
A Black Lives Matter related performance by whom on a 2020 episode of Britain's Got Talent, which received over 15,000 complaints at the time, was named the must-see TV moment at this year's BAFTA Awards. Black Eyed Peas? No. Do you know it, Michael? Uh, diversity. Yes, Diversity. I don't know if you're aware of Diversity, Mike. No, I'm not. No, no, they're a street dance group. <laughs> well, I Did... knew I was, that was a Hail Mary anyway. It was so a I Hail knew. Mary, okay. Okie dokie. Question number seven. Singer Justin Bieber dressed up in which iconic outfit during the Friends reunion? So an iconic sort of Friends outfit. Uh, trying to remember, like, Friends iconic outfits. Okay, I, I'm just going to dial Luke in a minute and then you can give me your answer. Initially, the plan was to use Luke as a, as a lifeline for these oh, questions. Oh, I shouldn't have bothered. I shouldn't have bothered. Come <laughs> Maybe sort of halfway through, Luke. You can use Luke as a, as a, as a lifeline mowing one of these last four questions. Hang on a sec. But remember, you've still got a six-point bonus coming up, so you might want to use Luke then. Singer Justin Bieber dressed up in which iconic outfit during the Friends reunion? Ah... Uh... No, it was um, Michael. Michael, would you know if that was your question? Is it the holiday armadillo? It is. Well done. And we've just learned as well, Luke, that Mo's never heard of diversity either, which was annoying. What the concept the of the a concept? Because <laughs> that's okay. harder for me to explain in the edit. <laughs> question number eight. Weatherman Alex Beresford made Piers Morgan storm off the set of Good Morning Britain after Morgan made controversial comments about whom earlier that week. Oh, um, Meghan Markle. Yeah, well done. Moe's final bonus. Yeah, this is another one that skews very British, so you might, you might want to play yeah, Yuli. Yeah, not really fair on him. No, he's done all right so far, you know. What unlikely star of 2021... Featured in an opening skit alongside Jack Whitehall and the stars of Line of Duty at this year's Brit Awards. I'm definitely going to use my lifeline on that. <laughs> it was someone who became famous for a thing that was went uh, viral. They went viral. I know who year. it is. Are you going to use your lifeline? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I just, I didn't know, but now I know. Is it Jackie Weaver, Matt? It is Jackie Weaver. And, and finally, again, one that I think you may struggle with, Mo, but hey-ho. What was unique about part of the couple's choice routine performed by Strictly Come Dancing winners Rose Ailing Ellis and Giovanni Panizze? Okay, can you repeat the question again? Yeah. What was unique about part, so part of the couple's choice dance that was performed by the winners of Strictly Come Dancing, Rose Ailing Ellis and Giovanni Panizze? Their height difference? <laughs> No. How many times can you use your lifeline? Just once? Just once, unfortunately. Okay. Sorry, Mo, I do feel like I, I've I've tried not to skew this as British, but looking at Look, if I couldn't stand <laughs> if I couldn't stand the heat of heat. Boxmaster, I shouldn't have I yeah. shouldn't have entered I shouldn't yeah. have entered the ring. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. 
free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople. Saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off. Plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. <laughs> Michael, do you know this? It went silent and it, it kind of for about 30 seconds and had... Like a beat that she, yeah. that she hears to dance. Because Ro- Rose is deaf, Mo. That's why it was unique. Because they did a silent piece to their dance. Okay. But they do have different heights, so I would have given you that point. But, yeah. <laughs> but Mo did all right there, actually. And I think he played his loop card quite well. 21 out of 39, Ooh. which isn't too bad for a, for a first now time. Now watch Michael crash and burn. Oh, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I was just looking at Michael's now. I hope he's watched a lot of... Um, Netflix this year. <laughs> no. Michael's first um, decision is whether he wants to go for in memoriam or competitions for his bonuses. Oh, in memoriam, because I'm, I'm just morbid. So, question number one What was the first game to be played by the contestants in Netflix's Squid Game? Oh my goodness me. And I didn't remember this till it came up on the Gogglebox Best of the Year, so if you watch that then. Uh, I, I started watching it with my partner, <laughs> and she stopped watching it about halfway through because she said it was too it was too graphic. Red light, green light, is that what it's called? Oh, well done, Michael. Three points. Oh. Question number two. Single mum Alex Russell started what job in a Netflix drama? which was also the title of the series. Uh, so it was the title of the series as well as the job. Uh, no, that doesn't... Nothing, nothing's coming to mind about that one. Mo, would you have known that? Made. Made, yes, that would have been the right answer. Okie dokie, bonus number one in In Memoriam. Una Stubbs, who died earlier this year, was better known in recent years for her role in Sherlock. But what was her character's relationship to the titular detective? Um, landlord? Well, yeah, landlady. Don't give it to him, don't give it to him. Is someone unwrapping something? Yes, I am. Sorry, I'll turn this down. You might. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> I was here. You thought you were listening to this without actually. <laughs> Can still hear it, Luke. Okay, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. What is it, Luke? Is it Quality Street? It's an Amazon voucher. I wanted to buy something, but the the, the lovely person who bought it has wrapped it in like cellophane and stuff. I can wait, Matt. Probably. <laughs> So, question number four, Michael. What connected all the potential murder suspects in the fourth series of Unforgotten, which aired on ITV early this year? You watched it with us. I watched the first episode. Um, and all I can remember of that was someone was buried in, like, a builder's yard or something. 
So that's all I can. That's all I can go on. Like they were buried in a builder shard. You're gonna kick yourself. Do you know Mo? Did you watch Unforgotten? Oh, I did. I'm trying to remember now what was what what connected all four. The guy they found the dismembered body parts mm-hmm. in the fridge. What did they do for a living? I remember. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Works for Iceland. They were. <laughs> no, no. no. They didn't all live in fridges. No. No, 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 no. They worked in a. Wait a minute. Okay, it was folks working in a junkyard. No, no, they weren't. No, I don't think we're going to get You're going to kick yourself. They're all trained as police officers together. Oh! That's... Oh, that's right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. They, oh! Only, only two of them were still police officers. That's right. That's right. I remember... Yeah, okay. So question number five for Michael... In Mayor of Easttown, Mayor and many of her contemporaries were part of an award-winning team that played what sport in high school? Oh, um, oh, goodness me. Basketball. Well done. Oh. I don't know where you're getting this from because you sound clueless at the start. <laughs> and then you go, oh. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, it's months since I've watched Mayor of Easttown and then I just have a minor crisis in my mind. <laughs> In memoriam bonus two, Mary Cook, Pete McGarry and Andrew Michael, who all passed away this year, were best known for being contributors on which show? Uh, uh, he does this and then he gets box, it right. Box. Well done. And I've just, realized, I mean? just realised I should have I should have used my unforgotten question with Luke, shouldn't I? Yeah, you should have your full. Yeah, window. you've got. Although it's fair now because you've got four questions left, and that's where Mo was when we got the loop card in. So you know it's a bit fairer now. It's all a ploy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all. So question number seven: Which of the four central characters didn't return for Sex and the Spitty City spin-off? <laughs> that I'll say, that's really hard to say. Sex and the City spin-off. And just like that, and I will have either the character or the actress. Oh, yeah. Do, I, I don't need, as long as you don't need the character's full name. No. Uh, it's Kim Cattrall, isn't it? And yeah. Samantha? Yeah, that's fine. Question number eight. Weatherman o, Owain Wynne Evans spent oh. 24 hours performing on which instruments, all in the aid of children in need? Drums. Well done. Your final bonus question in memoriam. Lionel Blair, who died in November of this year, was a housemate on the 2014 series of Celebrity Big Brother. But in the final episode of which British sitcom broadcast in 2007, did he feature as a housemate on a fictionalised version of the reality show? Uh, I'm in two minds, but because you said sitcom, I would lean towards extras and you are right to link towards extras he's either the quickest googler in the world or... <laughs> because it sounds clueless at the start and then gets it no, spot it, on what it, what it, where my mind was it was either because charlie brooker did dead set as well but it wasn't really ah. a sitcom was it so ah. it was, if it was sitcom in the year that gave it away i wouldn't have known of it. okay brilliant we will and... ask to look at both of your search histories when this is done. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we should have done this over webcam, really. All I would and... say is, please don't look at my search history. <laughs> and final question, and you've still got your loot card. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was unusual about the seventh episode of Disney Plus Hulu series, Only Murders in the Building? I've never, never seen it. Um, so I'm going to have to play the loot card. What's wrong with you, Michael? What are you doing with your life that you've not seen that show? Well, weirdly enough, um, it's connected to Mo's Strictly question because it was from the p- um, point of view of a deaf character. Everything was either in, in silence or in American Sign Language. Wow. Well, well done. That's, that, was, that was on purpose, that was, Luke. Yeah. Cool. So out of 39, Michael... 33. Wow. Good show. The best and the worst on the box. People arrange their lives so they wouldn't miss their favourite programme. It's the Custard TV Podcast. So should we go now to the ultimate list? So this is with us, with 140 possible votes in all. This is the the top 10. Are you ready? Have we got some top of the pop music? We will have. Just pretend it's there because it will be. So at number 10, slithering its way onto the top 10, it's the serpent. <laughs> at number 9, it's time to get locked up with time. See your lads in law with prison boss. My lad, you're David. At number eight, swimming along, it's the North Water. If Henry Drax is not the devil, then I cannot claim to know what he is. If there is an English word coined for a man like him, I do not believe I've learned it. At number seven, pretty in pink, it's almost not normal. Can I keep beatboxing on? Beatboxing? Beatboxing. No. At number six, silence is golden for only murders in the building. I'm struggling here. I bet you are. Excuse me. Were you close with Tim? And do you consent to being recorded? Just say anything to agree. No, please. Thanks, perfect. <laughs> We're gonna cut. Um, I like the emotion. Keep that. But I kind of need you to enunciate better. Do you have anything? The crying is covering the dialogue. Oh, that's a good. That's a good minute. Okay, so try it again. And it's kind of, a, in a weird way, an upbeat story. So just when you're ready and. At number five, try not to get eliminated with Squid Game. Green light. Red light. <gasps> Shooting up to number four, thanks to mine and yours votes. It's in my skin. At number three, keeping up with the Roy's with Succession. At number two, we've got Small Town Life with Mayor of Easttown. And number one, it's it's a sin. Thank you to the following who all sent in their top 10 lists. 
So we had Eamon, whose number one was Mayor of Easttown. Erin, whose number one was It's a Sin. James, whose number one was Mayor of Easttown. Megan, whose number one was It's a Sin. Mo, whose number one was Mayor of Easttown. Milo got the right answer, and his number one was In My Skin. Nick, whose number one was It's a Sin. Sarah, whose number one was It's a Sin. Sophie, whose number one was It's a Sin. Jackson, whose number one was Succession. Michael, whose number one was It's a Sin. And Will, whose list was the, the most bizarre, yeah. uh, whose number one was The North Water. There's a podcast in just examining Will's top ten, I think, personally. <laughs> All of those people mean such a lot to me, and I cannot wait for the excitement of 2021. I'm so pleased with how our new look site looks, and I can't wait to show it off to you in the first week of January. Depending on how quick I am, on this podcast it might be the first thing on the new site or it might be the last thing on the old it means an awful lot that all of these people work their socks off just to please me and to be involved in the site i can't and don't pay anybody for their work with me i just hope that i give them exposure online and maybe a leap pad into something else a leap pad. What am I trying to say there? Launch pad. A launch pad. Yeah, I'd, I could see a frog while I was talking. That was the problem. It means an awful lot that I can give that to people and that people want to contribute. But what means the absolute most is for the past 10 years, Matt has done this podcast with me and sometimes even without me. <laughs> and that means the world. And it means the world. Every year Aww. we do it, it means the absolute... And I mean this. There's no one else who loves TV in the same way I do that I would love to speak to week on week. We and I disagree. think I can understand that because you get disappointed every time I like I don't like something as yeah. much as you do. Well, it's <laughs> whereas I dis- whereas I don't care. <laughs> yeah, but it's fine to disagree, and I enjoy it when we disagree. And and you know we lost Gary off the podcast. He wanted. He's not to... dead. If Matt ever moved on to something else, I- I'd be lost. So thank you very well, much. Well, this is time your... to announce that. No. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your continued support and your continued interest in doing this and your continued input and podcast as well. We've committed, or rather I have, to being more regular, shall we say, at getting the podcast out and really and, shouting and that's about a lot. It. And again, that's a, that will be a tribute to... A lot of our regulars, especially Sarah, who is is sort of going to be, I think, more of a regular voice yeah. on uh, the podcast in 2022. It's so great that we can rely on a stock rotation of people. And actually, I think one of the things we should say here is if you would like to be part of the podcast, you know, if you yeah. feel like you've got things to say about the week's TV, you don't feel like you could possibly contribute written pieces. To the site but you think you could possibly contribute to the podcast and talk about if how you, you feel. know the difference between the leap pad and the launch pad yeah. you're already more qualified then please get on. in touch with me or with luke on twitter i will be yeah. putting out some some twitter and i'm sure luke will as well putting out some tweets in the new year looking for sort of contributors because again you know like the site this only works if we've got the people and i think this year you know we've relied a lot on sarah mo will Sophie, Michael, people like that, Gary, who really um, have stepped up and, you know, are available a lot of the time on on very short notice. Um, And, you know, I sort of echo Luke's sentiments there about um, 
how much people do help out on this. And I think people do enjoy, I, I think, in the most part, coming on as well. So, you know, if you'd like to do that, then please get in touch with us. And we will be back in 2022 to discuss four brand new shows for the first week of the new year. Thank you, Matt. Take care. Thank you, Luke. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Deck your home with blinds.com DIY or let us install Free design consultation Plus free samples and free shipping Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off. Plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.